thought his uh, children's message was uh, just right. So, um, today in our gospel, we, we heard a story. Jesus was eating with tax collectors and sinners. And this bothered some people. Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners, they asked, his disciples. They didn't ask him, they asked his disciples. But Jesus hears their question. Why not, he answers. Well, that isn't exactly what he said, but it comes close. Those who are sick need a doctor, he said, and that's why I'm here. Where else would you expect me to be? You pretend you have no problems. You might look healthy, but I know better. And later in Matthew 23, Jesus calls them whitewashed tombs. He tells them that they are caring about only the appearance of things. He tells them they are clean on the outside. They clean the outside of the cup, but the inside is filthy. And then this zinger. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Jesus is quoting the prophet Hosea, sixth chapter. In the Hebrew, that word is chesed. Steadfast love, love that never fails. It's not the righteous, and in this context, a better way of reading that would be the self-righteous. I have come for, but I have come looking for sinners. Sometimes being right isn't always right. Getting everything right isn't right. It's just empty sacrifice, cleaning the cup on the outside. And those who believe, who think that they alone get it, don't. They really don't get it. To believe that by doing the right things, believing the right things, you have a special place means that you don't understand. Who hasn't earned it? Who doesn't deserve it, they wondered. Deserve has nothing, nothing at all to do with it. And that's a hard thing to grasp for people who live by deserving, by taking, and by keeping. You can see this in the story of the lost son in Luke 15, where the older brother who has stayed home and worked hard is beside himself because his little brother, whose reckless life almost killed him, is thrown a party because he came back home. You never threw me a party, he tells his father. I deserve one, and he doesn't. 
The Pharisees always get a bad rap in the Gospels. They are portrayed as selfish, grumpy, clueless, sort of like us. But that's unfair. They follow the rules. They do the right thing. They work hard to get it right. They work hard at being right. And for what? In the story of a lost son, the father tells the older brother, all I have is yours already. So what's the problem? The problem, of course, is that God's grace, mercy, and love are indiscriminate and reckless and deserve has nothing to do with it. And when you've earned something, when you think you have earned something, you believe you have earned the right to control the outcome. You believe you have earned the right to control the distribution of God's mercy. You have sacrificed. You have worked hard. It's only fair that everyone else should do the same. In my first church, there was a, a man who liked to get his own way. And for years, he got it. Arnie was a big man. He had a big voice. And he could be intimidating, but he could also be charming in an intimidating sort of way. He bent the church to his will whenever he could. He held many congregational meetings hostage over the years. Arnie could take you to the woodshed. He could and he did take me to the woodshed. He would threaten and bluster and he would give you a hard skeptical look from the pews. I'm trying to find Arnie here now. And he liked to argue. On my first Sunday in the pulpit, no sooner had I returned to the parsonage than the phone rang. It was Arnie. He wanted to argue about the sermon. I came to like Arnie. I got to know him. I buried him. And after he died, his son told me that Arnie loved to argue so much that if you started to agree with him, he would change sides just to keep the argument going. Arnie believed he was right. He believed he was right about everything. And no matter what the argument, he would take it. It was the principle of the thing. At his funeral, I told the congregation that death would like us to believe that it will have the last word. Then I reminded them that Arnie would never let anyone have the last word. And death was no exception. But there's more to the story. Even Pharisees 
need the mercy of Jesus. I first met Arnie later in his life. He had had a heart attack, and his wife had had a stroke. Arnie was no longer calling the shots, but the fire of his strong convictions still burned within him. And I remember a conversation with him in the intensive care unit of the hospital where his wife, Dorothy, was recovering from that paralyzing stroke. Their world had been turned upside down. Their world was changed forever. Arnie's stubborn faith remained, but suffering had softened the edge of his convictions. He no longer had control of the outcome. There was nothing to do but let go and to trust God's mercy. Hard for an old Pharisee to do that. Jesus said, it is the sick who need a doctor, not the healthy. Go and learn these words. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Our need to be right, our need to control things, often choosing empty sacrifice over mercy is a hard habit to break. We want to live life on our terms. We desperately want to be right and we want to determine the outcome. In his book, Paradise Now, the story of American utopianism, Chris Jenner explores five utopian communities in early American history, the ideals and the idealists that started them, and then he follows what became of them. Among them were the Shakers and the Oneida community. In his book, he talks about how many great movements have begun with utopian dreams. One of these was Marxism, which, in a quest for the perfect community, devolved into Stalinist purges and the terror of the killing fields of the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia. And he quotes from Isaiah Berlin, and listen to this. There are people who will kill and maim with a tranquil conscience under the influence of the words and writings of some of those who are certain that they know perfection can be reached. And in the end, he says, the passionate idealists forget the omelet and just go on breaking eggs. A hazard for all believers is that the ends eventually justify the means, and the means eventually will destroy the ends. We start out making omelets and just end up breaking eggs, all just to get it right, to prove how good we are, how right we are, how deserving we are. Righteousness Cut loose from mercy destroys people. It destroys relationships. And given enough time, it destroys itself.
But the gospel reminds us today that it is mercy, not empty sacrifice, that changes everything. It is unexpected mercy that changes hearts. Mercy reclaims, redeems, recovers broken lives. And whether you are a Pharisee who hides your sins or a sinner who hides nothing, that's true. When you've spent your life trying to be right, this is a hard word to, follow, to swallow. And so Nicodemus came looking for Jesus in the dark of night to ask him a question. And you know the story, but if you were to distill it, break it down to basically what he was asking him was, how can anyone start all over again? When you have become old, how can you start all over again? We heard the words of Psalm 51. In them, David answers the question of Nicodemus. You know the backstory. David took another man's wife. He, he set up her husband to be killed in battle, and then he covered it up. This was, or would have been, a career ender. David thought nobody knew, but everybody knew. David pretends to be righteous, but he isn't. And everybody knows that everybody knows except David. And finally, Nathan walks into the palace and he tells David a story about a wealthy man who took the only lamb of a poor man. And when David is outraged, he pokes David in the chest and he says, you are the man. Can't run, can't hide, you are the man. David had carefully washed the outside of the cup, but the inside was dirty. And so Psalm 51, by tradition, tells us that David stopped pretending to be blameless, stopped pretending to be righteous, acknowledged what he had done, came clean, and became clean, acknowledging who he was which wasn't pretty. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your chesed, your steadfast, unfailing, reckless love. Blot out all I have done. Cleanse me. Wash me clean, inside and out. Let the bones you have broken rejoice. Create in me a clean heart, and restore to me the joy of your salvation. Let me start all over again. And then this, you take no delight in empty sacrifice. The sacrifice acceptable to you, O Lord, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart 
you will not despise. Broken bones, broken spirit, broken heart. It is, as Jesus said, the sick who need a doctor, not the well. Those with broken bones, broken spirits, and broken hearts. Blessed, Jesus said in the Beatitudes, are the poor in spirit, or as another translation puts it, blessed are those who know their need of God. No pretending, no posturing, no demanding, no empty righteousness, just faith enough to open your hands, to open your heart, to receive mercy, and having received it, to be merciful to others. I've said this many times. Threats change behavior, but mercy changes people. Remember, O Israel, the Lord says through the prophet Isaiah, and we heard these words read, I have swept away your transgressions like a cloud and your sin like mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. First comes mercy. Did you notice that? First comes redemption. First comes forgiveness. What was lost is found, and everything has already been done. There is nothing left but to come back home. You can't earn it. You can only receive it. The mercy of the Lord, as the psalmist says, is from everlasting to everlasting. And that's good news for Pharisees and for sinners, for Nicodemus, for Arnie, for you, and for me. Being right isn't always right. It's not even necessary. The good news is that you don't have to be right or pretend to be right or prove that you are right in order to be loved. You are set free by a merciful God from rightness and self-righteousness and you are free to live with a grateful heart, giving others the same mercy you yourself have received. That is the gospel this day. Thanks be to God. Amen.